Here we are, Locked On NFL Friday edition. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock, taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network, as we do on Fridays, making our picks for all of the Week 12 games, and we will review that AFC South contest between the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans, which was a really important one in the context of the AFC playoff scene. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. And you can find this show and all the programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. Matt, Houston Texans over the Indianapolis Colts Thursday night, 20-17. to 17, And it was just like I said, I'm going to bet on the Texans, and of course, they're going to win by a field goal, so I'd still lose the bet, but Texans win. <laughs> it was a three-and-a-half-point line. Texans were favored at home, and so that series is over between the Colts and Texans, both teams winning at home, but now the Texans have that huge, I, I call it huge, it's a one-game advantage. A lot can change in the next few weeks, but a nice little advantage there, 7-4 and four for the Texans, first place in the AFC South, 6-5 and five now for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, huge game in terms of playoff implications, of course. Really puts the Texans in the driver's seat in the AFC South. I don't think it eliminates the Colts in any way, shape, or form. They just need to root against some teams, you know, the the Bills and the Raiders and the Titans and Pittsburgh and those type of teams. And all those teams are capable of losing any given week. So a lot more needs to play out. Um, I'm not sure who in particular stood out in this game besides DeAndre Hopkins. Wow, was he great. This is maybe his best game of the year, or certainly one of them. Sometimes you forget how awesome he can be at times, yeah. although one of those was a blown coverage. And I thought T.Y. Hilton gutted it out, but probably wasn't himself. Right, yeah. So that was a little bit rough for the Colts. No Marlon Mack, no T.Y. Hilton on offense, so they were hamstrung. And Jonathan Williams... Filled in nicely. They they pounded yeah. it with him 26 times for 104 yards. He did have the, the touchdown run, but it was just too much from the Texans, and I think they did a good job of making the Colts sort of slowly, methodically go down the field. They didn't give up anything big, and they were happy to just let, you know, four yards per carry of Jonathan Williams, uh, and, and they had faith in their guy that they were going to make a play in the fourth quarter, and that's what it was. Their players made plays and that was the the game winner early in the fourth quarter that Deshaun Watson to the second touchdown from Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and again, I don't have a ton more to add to it. You're very well said. It looked like both defenses really wanted to make the opposing offense drive the ball down the field, methodical drives like you mentioned, and the Texans were um, better at it. They didn't have any gaffes. They played pretty well on defense. A lot of injuries, some sloppiness like you always see on Thursday night, too. And I'm growing less and less fond of Thursday night football. Yeah, it's just not as fun to watch just because of the the quality of the game a lot of times. And teams don't practice at all. And it's odd, though, that they put a lot of division games because it would seem that they double down on how bad the game is, that it's deciding things in divisions and it's the worst game. Like, you would think the division games you'd put on Monday night and you'd put some AFC versus NFC game on for Thursday night, right? I used to complain vehemently about that. Like, guys, this is much more important. Why is the lesser quality, the lack of prep, the injury situation, the tired bodies, why are we making it count so much for a divisional game 
especially late in the year, but all division games really are created equal, but they're certainly more important than a conference game or a non-conference game. And I still believe that, but the argument against what we just said is the coaches at least know these opponents. So it's a little easier to prepare for a Bill Mm. O'Brien, Deshaun Watson-led team that you already played. But I'm still still in the corner of, come on, guys. I mean, that should be a a non-conference game and just let the chips fall where they may. No, I get that. That makes sense, at least on that level, that the teams kind of already have done their homework against each other. So game plan wise, they can figure it out in shorter time than maybe some teams that are completely unfamiliar with each other. So I guess I can buy that one argument for Thursday night. I mean, that is the only argument I've heard that I can at least get behind a little. (laughs) And how important is high school football that we couldn't do this at least on a Friday or because that's the reason, right? (laughs) right? Right, right. That just seems odd that they're giving so much leeway and respect to high school football that they won't play one game on a Friday night rather than Thursday night because that one day could make a huge difference. It would make a huge difference. And we'll talk about this more in the off season. but they're, they're, I think what's going to happen with the CBA is it's going to go to 17 games with two buys. Mm-hmm. And I really hope they set that up that nobody has to go on the road and, you know, four day stretch. Right, that would be that would be ideal, and I, I love that two bye week situation because I see teams that had early buys like the 49ers who have a huge one against the Packers, and I guess we could start getting into the the, the previews here for Week 12, and let's start with that Sunday night football since I've already opened that door. I think it's uh, one of the biggest games of the year, obviously of the week, with a nine and one team and an eight and two team, and the 49ers and Packers. This is the the best combined records these two teams have ever had in the history of their series against each other. When you think of all the big-time games they had in the Harbaugh era for the 49ers and then going back into the 90s with Favre versus Steve Young, some great teams, this is the best combined record they have to face each other this late in the season. So a huge game on Sunday night football and... The, the injury situation here with uh, with the 49ers is big, but I think a massive step forward practice yesterday, at least limited, but George Kittle was back on the field for the first time since he played a Thursday night football game. Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel also weren't practicing to start the week. They were both limited, so if the 49ers get all three of those guys back, that is huge for them against Green Bay. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, my hunch, is, and I'm just totally guessing, Kittle would play, Emmanuel Sanders would not. Do you think that's what it's leaning? or? Well, Sanders still played last week. I think for him it's just a, a, a pain threshold thing, and he fought okay. through it, and he kind of went in and out of the game last week, and you could tell he was in pain, but he wanted to be in there, and he wanted to play through it. I would imagine it would be a similar situation for him, and then Debo Samuel left the game shortly as well last week with a shoulder injury, but then came back and made a bunch of big plays. Uh, Kittle, so I think they'll both play, and maybe you know they're just trying to keep them healthy and limited all week in, in non-contact situations. Kittle is the big one because if he can go, that just opens so much for the 49ers offense. At this point, I think we're going to see all three of them on the field. I don't know if any of them, though, will be exactly 100%. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I still think the key is getting back to the run game against the Packers defense yes. that can be very porous in that way. But, of course, having those three out there would go a long way. Um, it's a dangerous passing attack, especially when those dudes are healthy. I think they'll get after Rodgers. I mean, I think you can roll coverage to Adams, and I don't think this game is going to be particularly close. I mean, I, I caught some heat from the power ranks that I had the, the Packers too low, but <laughs> right. 
I mean, besides Rogers, I mean, I know that's a, a good trio, Jones, Rogers, Adams. I, I, I wish they had more at the skill positions. And I had uh, Peter Bukowski of Locked On Panthers on Locked On 49ers. We did our crossover this week for the show, and he was very yeah. confident in the Packers. And when you look at DVOA rankings and some other things, I think the Packers look better with the advanced statistics and the analytics than they do in raw numbers. But I think you nailed it with the 49ers getting things going on the ground, and that's where the Packers' defense has been most susceptible is in the ground game. So if the 49ers can get that going, slow down the Packers' pass rush, I think that's the number one key and Kittle also opens that up, not only because he's such a great blocker, but he also you have to recognize him in the passing game, and you can't just load up the box with eight guys if Kittle's on the field. Right. I think he would be a massive difference maker and make the, the Niners much, much harder to deal with. I'm not saying the Packers have no chance. I mean, they're a very good team, but in San Francisco Sunday night, I mean, it just sets up well for the Niners. And the one thing that doesn't, and back to the original point why we jumped in here on the Sunday night football game first, is the bye week situation. The Niners had the earliest possible bye in week four, and then have had a couple of short week games, a Thursday nighter, and then a Sunday after a Monday game in the last three, and then they went in the other game in the middle, Monday night football against the Seahawks, went 70 full minutes, went to the last second of overtime, a draining game. So are they tired? Is that going to be extra tough for the 49ers down the stretch with the early bye and all these big games in a row playoff type vibe where they are just giving everything and maybe get drained a little bit where the Packers this week are coming off a bye. That's a really good point. And, and but I'll counter it with saying the last year, two, three teams have not been very successful coming off buys. You know, I mean, there's an NFL rule that they have to get out of the, the building. I think it's for four or five days. And you see a lot of teams coming off buys and not playing well. So I love your point about the Niners. That is going to be a grind. I mean, it's almost like a playoff run starting now that you're a pretty beaten up team to begin with. But I I'm, I don't look at teams coming off a buy. I mean, unless it's Andy Reid as, boy, that's a huge advantage anymore. No, that's a great point. Absolutely right on that. So it's not a slam dunk that, oh, this team's tired. This team off a bye. They have a massive advantage. I don't think it's that much of an advantage. But should be a great game. The odds makers think it's pretty much a toss-up in a neutral situation. So that means the 49ers at home favored by three. I think that's a perfect line. Niners by three. Mm, I'll, I'll lay the three. I think, the, I think San Francisco wins by a touchdown or so. All right. We've got a ton more games to cover here. Make our picks for the rest of the Week 12 slate. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come out together on top, the rewards will be huge. The best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000 to bet at my bookie. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on to double your first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. The Atlanta Falcons suddenly new life. They're at home 
They're taking on the Buccaneers. Both teams coming in at three and seven. Falcons favored by three and a half. Yeah, I don't think this is a very good matchup for the Bucs. I mean, the Bucs stopped the run really well, but who cares against Atlanta? I mean, they're. I think Ryan has a big day. Julio Hooper, I think, is questionable still, but Ridley's going to be a big problem. I think the Falcons will put up a lot of points through the air. I also think they'll get after Jameis a fair amount. I mean, I'm not exactly sold that the Falcons' D is back. And, like, for fantasy, I'm not hesitating to start Mike Evans or Godwin or Winston. Or I mean, I, I expect a lot of points. But in Atlanta, a team that's the hotter of the two and the defense doesn't set up well for the Bucks. I think they win handily. And here's a nice stat. We mentioned this early in the week, how Dan Quinn has given up play-calling duties on defense to Jeff Ulbrich combined with uh, Raheem Morris. And in the eight games that Dan Quinn called plays, this is a tweet from Scott Barrett, who always has great nuggets on Twitter, at Scott Barrett DFB. Eight games, Dan Quinn calling plays. The defense had seven total sacks, two picks, and they allowed 31.3 points per game. In the two games since, and one of those against the New Orleans Saints, who have a powerhouse offense, in two games since then, they have 11 sacks, four interceptions, and allowing only six points per game. It's crazy. I mean, it really is. I mean... It's a super small sample size. I mean, maybe they would have been even better if Quinn would have kept the play calling. Who knows? But it's very notable, no doubt. Um, my uh, One of my suspicions is Quinn got predictable. Offensive coordinators had an idea what he's going to do. He had, he had pretty strong tendencies when you would study the Falcons, and now those tendencies are out the window. Yeah, adjusting to the adjustments. So we'll t- see how teams, yeah. when they get you know a, a book on – Ulbrich and Morris and how they call plays and see how that goes. But right now, Falcons are peaking. Bucks are just kind of trading water. So, yeah, Falcons, and I'll I'll, I'll give away those three and a half points. Uh, we got to move on to the rest of these games. We've got yeah. Bills at Broncos, the three and seven Broncos on the road in Buffalo to face the seven and three Bills. The Bills, by far, I just saw some recent statistics. I don't have it in front of me, but by far have had the easiest schedule in the NFL so far. Yeah, and... I don't think they're a high-quality team, but I think it's a tough place to play. I think White gives Sutton a hard time. I think the Broncos really I, – I much prefer the Bills' Allen than the Broncos' Allen. Um, I don't know that they'll run away and hide, but I like Buffalo by 10 points here or so. Right, so Buffalo just jumping out to this early lead with this schedule, so potentially 8-3 and three after this week. It gets very difficult all of a sudden – for the Bills, but uh, they might have already done enough because they might only need to win one or two more games after this week, but uh, even that could be in doubt. They do have the Jets to finish it off, but the next four weeks after the Broncos is at Cowboys, at home against the Ravens, at the Steelers, and at the Patriots. That might be 0-4. So if, <laughs> if that is 0-4, then we're looking at you know a team that could potentially finish 8-8, uh, 9-7 and after jumping out to an 8-3 and start to the season if they do beat the Broncos, as we both suspect, this week. Uh, so, uh, yeah, as as much as they've jumped out and we've sort of waited, and I think both of us are not quite 100% believers in the Bills yet. And so we've been waiting for them to, you know, come back to earth a little bit, and they haven't quite done that, but this next stretch might be the time that they do it. So a lot to be decided still in the AFC. Yeah, and I would imagine the Bills would be favored in Pittsburgh right now, but those other three games, they'll be big dogs. A team that is favored by a lot, even though they've not 
they've been probably one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL right now is the Chicago Bears at home at four and six. They're favored by six points over the two and eight New York Giants. I, I'm thinking the Giants to win. I mean, I know I just said coming off a bye is not a, a good thing, but I think it is for Saquon Barkley, and I think the Bears can be run on. I think you can dump it to him a lot. I'm expecting a big, big Saquon day. And one of the huge reasons why I often pick against the Giants is their corners are bad and you can throw on them. But is Mitch going to throw on them? And I'm pretty sure he's starting. Right, yeah. Uh And the mysterious hip injury thing, and I think we both, I think everyone in the world knows that he was just getting straight up pulled and it wasn't a hip injury situation last week. And he was right back in practice, which makes that even more curious that if it was such a bad situation, they had to pull it out, pull him out of the game with his hip and he's right back in there and going to start again. I I just don't know what's going on with the Bears. And so six points is is too much. I, I can't. Uh, I can't go with that. So I'm with you. I'm taking those six and going with the Giants, even though I don't have a lot of faith there either. Yeah, I'm doing the upset special and think the Giants win this one. Straight up. Yeah. Okay. We've got the Steelers at 5-5. Five and five, They're on the road to face the winless 0-10 Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't expect a lot of points, but I do expect – I'm doing a video for the Steelers on Monday, and one of the things that they do for these videos is – Give us a prediction, text me a prediction, and then we'll unveil it to see if it comes true. And my prediction is Finley's going to throw three or more picks. You know, something kind of outlandish. I don't know where the Bengals' offense comes from. And the war I watch him this week, his arm strength is awful. He puts the ball in harm's way. They don't have any speed on the field at receiver. I just think the Steelers are going to sack and turn him over a ton. And hopefully, from where I sit, that'll allow Mason Rudolph just to handed in Snell's belly over and over and not put the ball in harm's way and get away with like a 16-3 to win. And we had talked about early in the season how the Bengals are kind of spinning their wheels with Andy Dalton and they made the quarterback change. And it's funny following some people on Bengals Twitter during the game last week, they lost by seven to the Raiders. And they're like, oh man, if Andy Dalton was in the game, I might have some faith that they could actually come back and win this. So that tells you where Ryan Finley's at. Exactly. And I will say the last two weeks, Cincinnati has not played horrific football. Their quarterback has, but the rest of the team at least is taking steps forward. And I've been equating it to when Miami came here to Pittsburgh on that Monday night and got the early lead. Like The Dolphins look terrible on paper, but they're getting better at the wrong time for the Steelers. So I I do give Cincinnati a little bit of credit. They're improving, but I I can't imagine. I think I said this before. If you're Geno Atkins and you look at the coach like, we might be able to win a game or two if you put the better quarterback in. <laughs> and it's hard. I mean, the Bengals are going to win a game, I believe, at some point. Could this be the one at home? I don't know. Steelers still favored by six and a half. And just like the Giants and Bears, you don't love an underdog on the road, but I, I think there'll I would be a try lot to, of Steelers fans. There, yeah, though. I would try to pick this, the Steelers to cover, I think, on this one. Let's go to the Dolphins at Browns. The 2-8 and eight Dolphins on the road at the 4-6 and six Browns. Cleveland favored huge in this one by 10.5. Another uh, home team that's favored uh, kind of too large for me, but the Browns are, are a lot better than their record, I think. And, and uh, I don't know if this is one where the Dolphins are going to sneak away with another win. No, I don't think so either. But I And I expect a big Landry revenge game. Baker, Odell, I think all those guys go off with – no Miles Garrett, no Ojanobi, some other injuries on defense. I don't think they win by 10 and a half. 
yeah, up front, they're suddenly not going to be looking very good. And the defensive front has been good for the Browns. Offensive line has been very questionable all year. Now bad on both sides, potentially missing both of those guys this week. So maybe this is that opportunity for the Dolphins to sneak in and get yet another win and get further away from that number one overall pick. Yeah, I don't think they win, but I think that they'll keep it close enough by running the football. And Fitzpatrick hasn't played bad. Um, I think the Browns will put up points through the air, though. Yeah, ten and a half. Uh, the, the Dolphins could keep it speed. within ten and a half. I, I don't think I would uh, go there and, and bet on the Browns for that for sure. But I don't have faith in the Dolphins either. It's hard to, but that's a that's a team that has has played above their heads. So I wouldn't put it past them either. No, I mean it's going the right direction. At least there's a plan. Let's go to New Orleans, where the eight and two Saints are hosting the five and five Panthers. The Panthers secondary is suspect. Their offensive line is suspect. I think their quarterback has come back to earth. But the rest of the positions that I didn't mention, I think, are very strong. Their pass rush, McCaffrey, obviously, their weapons in general, including the tight end. I think New Orleans wins this game at the line of scrimmage. I think Kamara has a big game. But I don't know that they run and hide. Yeah, for the last month, we've really seen Kyle Allen after that 4-0 start for him with zero interceptions. He started getting pressured a lot started turning over the ball a lot, and you started to see uh, who he is, which is not a long-term starter. And maybe Will Greer, I think, and the coaching staff has said Will Greer's not going to get in there yet, and Allen, Allen's their guy the rest of the year. I would like to see Will Greer at some point there, but the Panthers are still 5-5, five and five, so they can't completely start screwing around. I understand that, but you got to love the Saints at home straight up, which is obviously why they're favored by 9.5. And by the way, how have we not talked more about the season Michael Thomas is having right now? He's going to go over 100 catches on the season probably in this game already in Week 12. He's at 94. He's already amassed 1,141 yards, the only receiver over 1,000 yards in the NFL. Just ridiculous production from Michael Thomas. And a lot of those games are with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, you're right. We should have brought it up more often regularly. It, it, it works against him a little that, he doesn't make Odell plays, you know, like he's so consistent. He's so good. He kills you on slants and boring things. <laughs> right. Know, no, it, that's a great point. You don't see him as often on the highlight shows and he doesn't create yeah. a spectacle as much as some uh, diva ish wide receivers might around the NFL. Yeah, he blocks and does little things, you know, like he's so good. <laughs> All right. More games to get to, including Monday night football and Cowboys Packers. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash locked on. Okay, we've got the New York Jets at home at 3-7 and seven, hosting those 6-4 and four upstart Oakland Raiders Raiders on the road favored by three. I like the Jets to win. Um, you know, super early start for the Raiders coming east at a one o'clock start. I do think those things are real. Um, the Raiders are the better team. Don't get me wrong. I haven't given them a lot of respect this year. But the Jets stop the run. And to me, that's enough to keep this thing close. It's at home. The body clock situation. And I like how Sam Darnold's playing. I think a guy like Crowder could catch you know, 11 balls for over 100 yards and just nickel and diamond to death and get the ball out quick. I like the Jets, too. I like that home dog because the, the, as good as the Raiders have played, I just still don't think you look at a 6-4 and four record against a 3-7 and seven team, but I don't see them as that team that can just march across the country and crush teams. 
and I pick them to lose every week, and they've burned me more times than not. So probably that's to, that's a Monday's apology. But we'll see. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I'm they could win it by a substantial amount. They're the better team. The Seattle Seahawks at eight and two are on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are five and five and really trying to just stay in that NFC East race because the wild card's pretty much out of the question right now for Philly. Another one of these West teams coming East for a one o'clock start, but I just trust Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll to handle it. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure they'll be fine. Eagles D is playing a lot better. Their corners have not been exposed quite as much, but it looks like Lockett's going to play. I like the way Hollister, Gordon, uh, Metcalf are all contributing too. I think Seattle wins, but Philly's the more desperate team at home. And I'm not big on Seattle's defense, so this is probably the game I feel the least strongly about so far. The one thing I don't like is that the Seahawks are traveling east, and that's always tough for those West Coast teams in the 10 a.m. start time for Pacific time zone. But Philly's favored by one here, so give me Seahawks for sure on that one. And getting Tyler Lockett back, and you mentioned all the reasons Mm -hmm. why uh, I think the the Seahawks should still be favored on the road in this one. And just the lack of speed on that Eagles offense has been has blown my mind watching that team. Like they, you know, I just, the Eagles can't blow anybody out. And when you're playing a really good team and you don't have firepower, uh, yeah, give me the Seahawks. The Detroit Lions are on the road at the Washington Redskins. Four combined wins between these two teams, the three, six, and one Lions at the one and nine skins. Detroit on the road favored by three and a half. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm not sure I like Detroit. Just that that sentence you said, Detroit on the road favored by three and a half, (laughs) isn't one I think any of us should utter. I mean, I know the Redskins are awful, but can Geis and Peterson at least keep this thing close? And um, I'm expecting an ugly game. I think the Lions end up winning it, but it wouldn't blow me away if Washington gets one here. How about the Titans at 5-5 and at home? against the four and six Jaguars Titans could be tied with the Indianapolis Colts for second in the AFC West one game behind the Texans if they win at home this weekend I think Tennessee wins this big and I don't know what he costs in DFS I never really played DFS but I want Derrick Henry (laughs) I mean I think he's going to get carry after carry this run defense for the Jags is really really bad and A.J. Bouye can only cover one guy. What's the difference if it's A.J. Brown or Corey Davis? I like the way Tannehill's playing. Is I might trust Tannehill more than I trust Foles. Um, I think Titans win this one pretty big. I'll give you the points. And with Foles coming back, they, you know, they've had a couple of rough games, Texans and Colts, and lost both of those. And um, I'm with you. I like the Titans here. And it's three and a half points that they're favored, and I think I'll give those up and, and go Tennessee. AFC South, a lot of fun. Uh, let's go to the last game here in the afternoon, which is a 1.25 p.m. start Pacific time, 4.25 Eastern, a huge one. The Dallas Cowboys on the road at the 9-1 Patriots. I expect Gilmore to go on Gallup. I think then you kind of double Cooper. But then does it become a Zeke game? You know, and the Wittens and Cobbs and Pollards, have all been really solid contributors, and I still trust Dak to get it done. But where I really like the – I mean, the Cowboys are a nightmare to game plan against when Dallas has a ball. And I think they rush the passer well. I, I Dallas's D has let them down a little. You know, we've, we've said, why isn't Dallas the best, de- best team in the league? Well, it's supposed to be because of the defense. 
But is New England in a place to exploit that? They're not running the ball well. The The weapons around Brady besides Edelman are really struggling. I like Dallas, but Garrett on the road versus Belichick? I mean, like, that is the biggest equalizer I've ever seen. You know, like, I can't see putting money on Garrett on the road against Belichick, although his team is much better. Right, and I'm conflicted in this game because I think the Cowboys can give the Patriots all that they can handle and probably the best team they've seen so far this year aside from the Ravens. But you're right. Going on the road against Bill Belichick in New England, there, there's no way I can bet on the on the Cowboys straight up there, but they're still six-and-a-half-point favorites, too, at home, so I don't like betting on the Pats no. with that line either. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting this week is Tom Brady was on local Boston radio and he basically called himself a game manager which was hilarious he was like yeah uh, this team is is built around the defense the defense is the the strength of this team so on offense basically what we have to do is be smart and not screw things up and so basically he he explained himself as he was uh, Alex Smith and not you know the Hall of Famer Tom Brady which I which I thought was was pretty interesting and also telling that he understands that and he knows how to win football games yeah, that's great because it's like his career's come full circle. You know, when he came in for Bledsoe, just don't screw it up. We got a good defense. And it also shows that what's most important to him is winning football games, even if his ego has to take a little hit. And, I mean, what a study is. I mean, what a, you know, just he knows what's most important is winning championships and they very well could win another. But if you're to give me six and a half, I'm taking Dallas. Right. I like anybody. I like the Patriots at home, but I don't like six and a half. So I'm definitely not putting money on this game. But I am going to sit down and enjoy watching it. And I think we'll learn a lot about both teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, New England really was a pretty even game against Philly. And they got beat bad against Baltimore. And I think the Cowboys are in that tier with those teams. Monday night football, those Baltimore Ravens, they're on the road at the Los Angeles Rams, the defending NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. And Baltimore on the road, favored by three. Baltimore's the better team. They were number one in my power ranks. This isn't me looking at things through Steeler glasses or anything like that. I just think they stumble here. You know, that, and my reasoning is I expect a very low-scoring game. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to beat the dirt out of Marquise Brown in one-on-one matchup and just be really physical with them. And then you got safeties and linebackers bracketing Andrews. But I just think that I wrote a little preview for this, that it's really hard for teams to deal with Lamar the first time they've seen him. But I think it's going to be really hard for the Ravens to deal with Aaron Donald the first time they see him. And all that mesh point stuff they do and misdirection, I think he's going to be in the backfield quicker than other defensive linemen that they've faced and will will wreak havoc with their scheme. But I don't know where the points come from with the Rams either. I mean, I hope that they realize their offense has to go through Gurley. I think they are figuring that out. I think the home team squeaks one out in a really fun game, and it won't change my opinion of the Ravens at all. And it's weird that the Rams have become like this defensive-led team instead of the greatest show on turf part two under McVay and the, the hot young offense slinging the ball over and, and running on everybody with Gurley. They're, they're led by their defense now. Um and the home dog situation I usually like, traveling across country for the Ravens. Uh, Baltimore only favored by three. If they were favored by more, I might want to bet on the Rams, but um, the Ravens right now are probably the last team on my list of of teams I would want to play against. Yeah, me too. Um, A little note about them being a defensive team, the Rams. I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm real close here. If I'm wrong, is in Goff's last 13 games, he has 13 touchdown passes. 
you know, like wow. any more out of you, dude. Right. Yeah. This is week 12. He's got 11 touchdowns on the season. So that, that looks like, it, adds uh, up, yeah. like it adds up. So very and interesting. There. Oh, I, he didn't have one. I, I still do like the Ravens, but man, the, the Rams are still not, you know, they're not chump change. So, um, the home dogs. I, I mean, I, I just like a home dog situation here, but I love mm-hmm. the Ravens. Monday I'm night. very conflicted in this game right here. I think this. I think the, the Cowboys, Patriots, the Rams, Ravens, I wouldn't put money on it. I would just sit back and enjoy watching. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think a lot of these will be very telling. Uh, our show early in the week will be a fun one. Wow, I didn't see that coming. I, I've called for a couple upsets this week, so those are always fun and rattle things up some more, but it's a pretty good slate of games. And look, Baltimore's the number one team right now on your power rankings. I've talked about how they're the last team I would want to play right now. But a few weeks ago, not that long ago, a month ago, they were not even in the top tier of teams. And they were a team that was sort of on a roller coaster ride up and down. So might they be uh, at some point heading a little bit more on a downtick to end the season? There, there might be some games in there. I mean, they're not indestructible. There's no team in the league right now that I think, oh, this team is unbeatable. Right. They're not clearly number one. If you look at power ranks across the, the internet, I'm sure most people didn't even have them number one. But I do think their defense is much better now than when that roller coaster was going on, and that's the key. You know, Peters is back, Smith is there, and you know that that that's a such a good secondary. And we will break down all of these games next week, right here, locked on NFL.